Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you ready to get into the Word tonight? Amen. Well, we're going to have just a um, refresher course tonight. I'm going to call this Money 101 Booster. You know, for weeks, I've been, the Lord's been just dealing with me about, about doing something where money's concerned. And if you've been around here very long, you know, we've gone through the money course, you know, a couple of times. And so I'm not going to go through that whole money course. You know, if you want to, to get some of the uh, handouts and stuff that we had on that, we've got CDs and we've got all the paperwork. We'll do that. But you know what? It's just like an immunization. Every once in a while, it's nice to have a booster shot. So we're going to cover a little bit of territory and add some things to it. All right? And, um, you know, you think, well, that's, this is like church? Come on. Well, you know, if it's not practical, it's not spiritual. If you can't go out of here and apply what you've been taught while you were here to your everyday life, then it was pointless. You know, I, I, I sometimes I, I listen to some people on, on TV and stuff, and I'm going, and when you leave here, how can you put that to use, what you just spent 30 minutes talking about? But that should never be the case. Anytime we come to church, we ought to be able to walk out the doors and be able to find a way to put what we heard in the service to use in our lives. You know, because God's interested in every part of our lives. Every part. Not just spiritual things, but practical, everyday things, because that affects our spiritual life. And our, our spiritual life affects the practical side of life. So if we're going to get the most out of it, we're going to have to look at both sides of every issue. So what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about money, like I said. And um, so first and foremost, you know, like when we taught the money course, I can make this statement. God cannot get involved in your finances if you don't give him something to work with. Now, what do I mean by that? You ever heard the word tithe? Mm-hmm. There's a place to start. Because number one, that, that 10% is not yours anyway. The Bible says that it's holy, it belongs to the Lord. Some people don't realize that's God's money they're spending when they don't tithe. Because in Malachi it says, you've robbed me. Well, wherein have we robbed you, Lord? In tithes and offerings. If you're not a tither, then God's got nothing to work with. You know, where the principles that, you know, where it comes to money are given, it'll be given. Sowing and reaping. If you're not doing what God has already told you to do, then he's got nothing to work with. You know, but some people don't want to hear much about tithing. You ever gone to the doctor, you know, and you got this little physical thing going on, and he's going, now, you're going to have to do this, and you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to start exercising. You're going to have to start eating right. You're going to have to start doing da, 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 da. And you think, oh, I don't want to. Brother Dave, you have people like this? Never, never happens. Now, if the truth were known, there's a bunch of us who have avoided our yearly physical because we didn't want to hear the same thing over again. Because I didn't do it when he told me last year. And I don't want to go in there looking like I did last year for him to repeat it to me again and look at me going, didn't we talk about this already? And so that's what it comes, it's like, it's kind of what it's like when it comes to tithing a lot of times. If somebody finds out you're talking about money in church, they don't want to hear it. Because they're not planning on changing. So they just want to avoid the whole subject. So if they know you're talking about money or especially about tithing, they'll just not come to church. Well, just because you don't want to talk about it and because because you don't want to admit that you need to do it doesn't mean that it's not valid. And it doesn't mean it's not going to affect your life. Many's the person who went to the doctor and said, your cholesterol's too high, you need to stop eating this stuff, and you need to start exercising, and they didn't do it, and 10 years later, they have a heart attack and wonder why. Well, you know, if they'd listened to the doctor 10 years before, you know, then, then it wouldn't have happened, maybe. But, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. We have to all start one, at one place. You know, you, maybe you don't want to do everything at one time, but, you know, start somewhere. Tithing is the place to start where the financial things of your life are concerned. That's the place to start. Um, turn with me to Haggai. Now, if you don't know where Haggai is, let me tell you. Go to Matthew and hang a left three, chap, three books. Okay? I want to uh, give you a picture here of a non-tither. Chapter 1. 
of Haggai. I'll wait till you get there. It's like Pastor said, I think somebody's just, just doing this. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. That means stop, take a look at what you're doing. Take a look at what the results are. On verse 6, it says, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages to put it in a bag with holes. Now, folks, some of us are guilty of, of talking doubt and unbelief when we know better, you know, and it's just this kind of stuff. Boy, money comes and goes. It goes faster than I can make it. Don't be saying that. You know, don't, don't, let, don't let your words trip you up. You know, you need to be saying that, you know, God meets all of my needs, and I always have a, a full supply for whatever my needs are, for whatever comes up. I have a full supply. And only talking about how money, I know, I went to the gas pump today, and I went, What? What is this? You know, you know. I was down here, just down here at the interstate, and it's like three seventy-five. I mean, two weeks ago, I was in Ocala, and it was three oh nine. Well, what's up with this? You know. But at the same time, God supplies all my needs. All my, I have more than enough. Hallelujah. You know, that's where we need to be starting. But this right here is a picture of a non-giver. No matter what you do, it's just never enough. Never seems to be enough going around. Now, I know when we were when we were young, had been had gotten married and and uh, were out of church. You know, we were we're not in church at all, and so we we weren't tithing. And I remember those days. It was just a couple of years, but just during those days, you know, it's like there was never enough money. Never. I was always saying to my mom, "Mom, can I borrow five dollars till payday?" Mom, can I? And of course, that was a lot of money in nineteen seventy. Five bucks was a lot of money. I mean, you could buy a bag of, you know, a loaf of bread for 19 cents and, and a gallon of gas for a quarter. And, you know, man, long for those days. <laughs> but no, we were only making $113 a week, you know, so those days are long gone. But, you know, it was just, there was never enough money to go around. Never. I was always just borrowing every week. And then I'd have to pay mama back. And then before the end of the week, I was going, again, mama, can I borrow $5? You know, but, you know, we got back in church and we started tithing. And this principle, the principle of tithing works for people who don't even go to church. I've seen it over the years. People who are not even in church, they don't want to go to church, but they're consistent tithers and God blesses them abundantly because of what they're sowing into the kingdom of God. And so anyway, we weren't, we weren't uh, tithers, but when we got back in church, we started tithing again on the same paycheck. Nothing changed. And somehow, all the bills were paid. Everything was paid. I never had to ask my mama to borrow five bucks again. You know, and it works. Do I understand God's accounting systems? No, I don't. But I do know when we follow the principles that he's laid out, he's going to bless us in return. He did more and has done, continues to do, more with the 90% than I ever did with the 100%. You know, and, and I've, heard, I've had, heard pastors get up in the pulpit and say, listen, you know, I just challenge you for one year to give to God. Now, you have to, you understand, you know, as, as faith people, you understand that you don't just give to give. You add your faith to it when you give and expect that to come back to you. And so, you know, at the end of, at the end of the year, this, a pastor, I heard this pastor say, if God has not blessed you, I will refund your money. And he knew that God would, would turn out. Just, I mean, turn it all on, turn the waterworks on, and just bless people if they would just trust him. And, you know, that's the reason why a lot of people don't tithe is because they really don't trust God. They really don't, don't really believe that he will take care of them. When the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. And, I, you know, when I, I've had over the years people say, well, this, just, this stuff just doesn't work. And I'm thinking, honey, it does work. There's reasons. You know, over in Haggai, it says, consider your ways. There's something going on here you need to back up and consider if you don't think it's working. But, you know, what I've found out most of the time with those people who say it doesn't work is they're not consistent. You know, prosperity is a progressive thing, and it takes consistency, just like anything else. If you're going to raise kids or raise them the way they ought to be raised, it takes consistency. Is it hard work sometimes? Yeah. 
I mean, do you ever want someone? Now, the devil doesn't try this with any more, me anymore because we've just gotten beyond it. You know, well, if you weren't tithing, you could do this and you could do that. And if you didn't give all that money to the church, I mean, you could have this and, and you could pay off that. And you could have yourself a new boat and you could do. No, that's not even something I'm going to consider. I, you know, it's not an issue. And, and we should all get to the place where it's just not an issue. You know, just like, you know, when you know that 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 Jesus is the Lord of your life, whether you're born again or not, because the devil comes and he'll tempt people with the idea that, you know, this isn't really real. There's nothing to this. And he'll, and he'll try that. But when you know you're born again, you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life, there's just, you know, the enemy just stops after a while. He's not going to try that because it's pointless. It's a waste of his time. It ought, we ought to get to the place where when it comes to tithing, it's a waste of the enemy's time for him to try to tell us that it doesn't work. Because it is a waste of his time. You know, I have, I've seen more blessing over the years because of the consistency in the area of giving than anything else. And honestly, at least for me, I don't know about you, but when it says to put first things first, that's exactly what we do. In our household, we take, uh, before a paycheck really even goes in the bank. In fact, I haven't even put a paycheck in the bank yet this week. I just remembered today that it's done my purse, and I haven't done anything with it. But the tithe check's already written. It's sitting in my checkbook, and and the thing is written. You know, so for me, I really love to make sure that God gets his cut first. Because when that deposit, right, the the next entry under deposit is a check for God. You know, maybe, that, maybe you don't need to do that. But you know what? For me, it's an important thing. That's just me, you know, but maybe that's not for you. But anyway, you know, prosperity is progressive. God wants us to get to the place where, where he can train us in, in the things of finances. And, and as he can trust us with finances, he put, puts more into our hands. You know, the Bible says when you, those who are faithful and little, he'll make you ruler over much. As you are faithful to do what God's told you to do in the area of finances here, he'll increase you and increase you and increase you and increase you. And you learn to trust him more every single day because of that. And so when one day comes that that God told you to bless somebody with $5 and how hard that was, I mean, seriously, then the day will come that God will say, bless those people with $1,000 and you'll go, okay, Lord, I can do it. I can do it. Because the whole point of prosperity, there's two reasons for prosperity. Number one is to advance the kingdom of God. You know, over in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says, that talks about how the reason for wealth is to establish his covenant in the earth. God wants to establish his covenant. He wants people to see that his covenant operates in you. You need to be be the person that God is blessing so abundantly that everybody can see it. And when they ask you, how do you do it? You say, God is my source. God is the one who's made me what I am today. Because really, you know, that's, that is the truth. Um, let's see, where, did I, where I wrote this down. Over in, let me see if it's, you just hang around right there. So just a second, let me see if this is Deuteronomy. Aha. Uh-huh. Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you want to go over there. Let's just read it. Chapter 8, verse 11. We'll just quickly run through these. Beware that you forget not the Lord your God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when you have eaten and are full and has built good houses and dwelt therein, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water who brought you forth water out of the rock of flint who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end and to that and thou say in thine heart my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth but re- thou shalt remember the lord thy god for it is he that gives thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto his fathers as it is this day so the first and foremost reason for prosperity is to establish the covenant of god on this earth and the second one is for you to be a blessing God wants you in a place where you can be a blessing. And the only way you can be a blessing is that all of your needs are met. If you don't have your needs met, then you're not free 
You're in bondage to your needs. And God wants you to be free to reach in your pocket and to hand somebody money. He wants you to be able to, without blinking an eye, when he says to your heart, give this, that you can do it. You know, but you have to want to do those things. You have to, be, you have, to have a desire to be generous. I appreciate the verse that Brother Steve read tonight about the generous soul. You know, you have to make up your mind that you're going to be generous. You know, the scriptures that Pastor reads every single Sunday morning out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is that it says that he who purposes in his heart. Well, I've already purposed I want to be a blessing. Nothing makes me happier than to be able to help meet somebody's need. To number one, to sow into the kingdom of God and then to help meet somebody's need. You know, we were talking to somebody just, just last week. And discussing something and, and uh, talked about how Pastor and I last year gave away several thousand dollars to individuals. That's a blessing. A blessing. You say, well, who? It's none of your business. A little here, a little there. But it all added up to a lot of money. And honestly, I can't, I can't think of any greater joy than to be able there to meet somebody's need. You know, I've, I've been there when people, you hand them something and they just break out into tears because, you know, they were just so overwhelmed by the situation that they were in. I mean, does that bring joy to your heart or what? I've had people give me money to give to other people. When I was able to pass it on, you know, they just took it and looked at it and just wept. You know, I just, you know, oh, the heart of God, you know, to, to, that he has when, when he's able to meet somebody's need. That's the same heart we should have. We have that ability to meet somebody's need. Um, and I, I remember years ago, well, it's not been that many years ago, a fellow minister had called us and, and just said, I need somebody to talk to. And so pastor talked to them and just encouraged them. They were having some major financial difficulties. And uh, we got off the phone. He said, I think we need to send them some money. So we sent them some money. I think it was $1,000. And um, because this was a missionary, you know, we took it out. We took that was, we were directed to take that out of, out of the church general fund to do that. But that's not always the place it comes from, folks. It comes from your fund. Yeah. You know, don't make the mistake of thinking the church fund is the one that always has to do the giving. It's your funds that do the giving as well. This church is a generous church giving to all kinds of projects and all kinds of needs all over the world. And, um, and that's why we're blessed. But anyway, we, we, we sent that money, and it just uh, it got there really quickly. And uh, about two days later, we got this phone call. And uh, this, this person said to us, you just don't know what this means to me. So many people, you know, you know have called me and tried to encourage me, but nobody's backed that encouragement up with anything except be blessed, brother. Isn't there a verse that says, you know, when you see somebody in need, don't just say be blessed and, and go on. Do something. Do something. You know, and so, you know, that's what it's all about, folks, is establishing the kingdom on this earth, and number two, being generous to other people, being a blessing. You cannot outgive God on either front. Years ago, pastor felt led, I mean, and this was in the early, early days of the church, and there was, I mean, pennies to spare in our household from week to week. And um, somebody had blessed us with some money. And he said, I feel led to give it to, to so-and-so. And I said, I kind of gulped and said, okay. And th th this, this family had a car that was an older car. In fact, it was a very old car. And it wasn't working. And so, you know, we gave them, gave them this money to put it in to fixing the car. Well, a week goes by. They went out. Not only did they not fix the car that they had, they went out and bought another car with that money that was in equally bad shape. And I'm going, how stupid is this? At least the car they had, they knew what they had, they knew what was wrong with it. Why didn't they use the money to fix that? And he goes, honey, this is the principle we're working off of. When God says give it, I give it. And I'm not responsible for what they do with it. I'm just only responsible to obey what the leading of the Lord was. And I went, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, my responsibility is not that. In fact, is when you come to church, it's not our responsibility what you do with the word when you leave here. It's only our responsibility. God does not hold us accountable for what you do or don't do where the word is concerned. What you hear is what you're responsible for. But that's not my responsibility. Our responsibility is to put the word out. Your responsibility is to take that word and put it into action. Amen. That was just a little side thought there.
you know, for whatever it's worth. Um, you, have, you have to really purpose in your heart that, that your desire is genuine to be a blessing when it comes to finances and expecting the God to bless you. Do you want God to bless you so that you can have stuff or because you want to be a blessing? Listen, if you keep your priorities straight, you'll have all the blessings that you need. You'll have all the stuff that you need and all the stuff that you want. Because doesn't it say that seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you? Keeping your heart right and your priorities straight will always ensure that you have what you need in this life. Hallelujah. Uh, Now, practical matters. No amount of faith can make up for poor money management. None. You can give, 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 you can give. But if you don't manage what God has given you, something is wrong. See, there, we go back to some of those folks that said this doesn't work. Number one, they weren't consistent in their tithing. And number two, they didn't manage what they had. You know, I have great examples from 30 years, honestly. I remember one family that, you know, they were like, well, we don't have enough money to pay our electric bill. We don't have this. We don't have this. And, and uh, I, we kind of were wondering, okay, what do we do for these folks? I didn't feel led at all to help because you know what? Every week we came in with a fresh manicure. I saw brand new shoes on those feet. I knew that they went out to eat a lot. I'm not pouring my money, and God's not asking me to pour my money into somebody who's not going to manage what he gives them to the best of their ability. Not going to happen. So sometimes you, you, know, you, you look around and you say, well, why isn't God blessing this person? Why aren't people helping these people? There might be more to the story than you know. Yeah, I mean, we've had over the years people say, come to us and say, pastors, this so-and-so family, I mean, they're just in really bad shape, and they really need help, and can't the church do something to help them? Well, they, they didn't know everything I knew. This one young family, I mean, he, he had a decent job. They could have managed on what they had. But he got paid once a month, and for the first week and a half of, of the new paycheck, they ate out every day. So by the end of the month, there wasn't anything to pay the electric bill. I'm not putting my money into that until they've learned. Do you know the story of the prodigal son? You know, and, and the, the father divided up the goods, and the, the prodigal son, he went out, and he spent all he had in riotous living. Now, it didn't say he went very far. And the man, the the father, had plenty of money. Don't you think he had enough money to hire a detective to go find out where his son was? Don't you think that he was probably well-known enough that everybody knew where his son was? When he ran out of, when the prodigal son ran out of food, ran out of money, ran out of friends, did daddy go run after him and, and say, oh, son, here's some more money? No. No. That's another one of those rabbit trails here. Daddy did not go running after him to prop him up. He loved him enough to leave him right where he was until he came to his senses. And you know what, folks? If you have children, you need to get that kind of an attitude as they're growing up. If they make choices that are wrong, be prepared to help them. But don't step in to help them unless they've learned some lessons. Because all you're doing is enabling them to stay in a place of wrong choices. I have family members that, honest to goodness, I I know there's great need there, but I know how wasteful things are in that home, and and I won't do it. I won't do it. If God were to lead me to help them at all, it'd be I would take money and, and pay the electric company myself. I would never put cash in their hand. Never, because I don't know what's going to happen to the cash. So, you know, the prodigal son and his dad had that kind of a relationship. His dad said, fine, I'll give you what you want. I'll give you what you asked for. Now, you want to go out and do this? Fine, go do it. But daddy didn't go running after him when things fell apart. Daddy waited till he came to his senses and, said, and knew he had learned something from that experience. You know, and from there on, you and I can always learn, no matter what the experience is in life. If it's a good experience, wonderful, we've learned something. If it's a bad experience, learn something from it. Don't repeat the same mistakes. Because until we learn some things, we're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. Amen. Okay, I'm not going to get through here if I don't hush. Um, Luke 18, 8, I won't have you turn there. It just says, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The Williams translation of that says that the children of this world 
act with more business sense than the men who enjoy spiritual light. So, you know, it takes, it takes some practical application if you're really going to enjoy the blessings of God. Besides just putting your, say, I'm just going to believe God. Well, it takes some practical stuff to go with it as well for you to enjoy the blessings of God. We have to be good stewards over everything that God has given to us because we know everything has come from him. So he's put resources in our hands. He expects us to take it and to make the most of what we have with it. Miser is not a good word, but, you know, what's a good word? Um, Pastor calls me a miser. Frugal. Well, frugal is not a good word sometimes either. Um, Well, a good steward is all I can come up with. Making the most of what you have. Taking... Efficient. Well, I like that one better. That one sounds better. Uh, But anyway, one of the ways we can develop good habits financially and maintain them is, number one, the very first one is have a budget. The principle is always the same, no matter who you are. You can't spend more than you bring in. You just can't do that. The U.S. government should have learned that a long time ago. You know, put some housewives in charge of the government and we can make this thing work. I'm telling you. We can, we can put things to right. We can cut out the waste, you know, get, and, and get some good deals on some sales and, and that kind of stuff. And we can make this right. You know, and I know there's some faith and prosperity preachers who go, you should never go out looking for sales. And I'm going, well, bless God, I want to do something with that money besides give it to the merchant. Does Macy's need $100 for that dress? No, Macy's didn't pay but 10 for it. So why should I pay more than 40? I'll give them a profit, but I'm not going to give them that much of a profit. I've got other things to spend that money on. Other things. You know, and that's the way we ought to look at it. If I can get a good deal. I mean, that's the way God blesses us a lot of times. You know, is to, is to lead us down the path so that we come across, I mean, a humdinger of a deal. I mean, God can do it. Ladies, have we learned to go out and shop well and find a dress that was marked at $200 and come home with it for $35? Yes, we have. Pastor's always going, I just don't understand this. How can you go out there and come back with that, with that for that much money? I'm going, some of us got it, some of us ain't. <laughs> He's going, it's just women's clothes. It's just women's clothes. Just, you know, they mark them down better, and I'm going... Like I say, honey, some got it, some ain't. <laughs> you know, but I've passed that little trick onto, onto my son. He said, I got, I got your anointing, mama. I can find a deal. And I'm going, well, tell your dad about it, would you please? <laughs> okay, we're going to have a, a budget. Now, some people looked at me when we did the money class like, budget? What's a budget? Well, it's writing it down. Taking what you have that comes in, writing down the commitments that you've got over here, and making sure that one does not exceed the other. You know, in Habakkuk says to write the vision and to make it plain. I've had people say over the years, yeah, but I've got a budget. I said, well, where is it? Have you got it written down? Well, no, I've kind of got it in my head. No, you need to write it down. You need to be able to see it. I actually have a four-week budget written in the back of my checkbook so that at all times I know where all this money is supposed to go. And every penny has a place assigned to it. Every penny has a place assigned. And that yours ought to be the same way. Now, some some tips for budgeting. Uh, Number one, base it on something higher than the minimum. You never know. My electric bills swing. From this time of year to midsummer is a vast difference. Vast difference. So I budget for what? It is in the, in the higher times, not quite as high as it will get, but, you know, in the months like this one where it's low because we're not having to use heat or air, I can take the extra and set it aside so that when the higher months come, I've already got that money. Now, you can do that by going to the electric company and having an averaged bill sent to you. You can do that. But anyway, uh, base it on something that's higher than the minimum. That way, the increases in something won't panic you. Number two, stick to the budget. There's not any good if you don't stick to it. You know, dieting, come on. The diet's only good if you stick to it. It's a good diet, but only if you stick to it. A budget's only a good budget if you stick to it. Number two, say no. Learn to say. It's a short word, 
It's only got two letters in it. It's easy to say. Say this with me. No. No. Discipline your flesh. Just because you can buy it doesn't mean you should buy it. Amen. See, I'm not getting any amens here tonight. Hallelujah. You know, in 1 John 2, 16, it says, it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Well, what is the lust of the eyes? You ever take kids into Toys R Us at Christmas time? I want that. I want that. I want that. I don't even know, they don't even know what that is. And, and I want that. A commercial comes on. I want that. What is it? You know, I mean, come on. You know, but adults are just the same way. I, I want this. I want this. I want, I'd love to have a boat. I'd love to have this. Uh, da, 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 da. You know, we, we do it. And then, of course, that pride of life thing comes in. Well, what is that? Well, that's keeping up with the Joneses. Just because you see somebody else got it means you think you've got to have it. No. You know, you need to avoid those kind of things. Start disciplining yourself. I mean, you know, in... Um, in, uh, let's see, what is it? Uh, in the Song of Solomon, you ever heard that verse? That little foxes spoil the vine. If you would take your, what you've got, your money that you've currently got from paycheck to paycheck, maybe whether your paycheck's a weekly paycheck, a bi-weekly paycheck, whatever it is, and you would log in everything you spent. Now, I know, when you start saying log something in, it's like logging in your food consumption so you can take it back to the doctor's office, then suddenly we're, you know, okay, I'm not writing down potato chips on this thing. Are you kidding? I just won't have potato chips, so I won't have to lie. Well, you know, that's what happens when you start logging in money. Best thing to do is just not think about it till the end of the day. Know what you started with, look at what you've ended with, and then where did that money go? It's amazing how much cash will just run through your fingers. It's amazing how much just little things you think, well, it's only a couple of bucks. What does that matter? A couple of bucks every day at the end of the year is a lot of money. You know, if you use this light bulb, you'll save $120 at the end of the year. Listen, folks, do you know what a Coke is in a restaurant these days? Is it like $270, something like that? About three and a half years ago, I did away. I loved my Diet Cokes. I did away with Diet Cokes. Not because of money, but because just, I just, for me, the, I just knew that for me, I just needed to, to stop with them. And, uh, and I've just gone to water. So now every time we go to a restaurant, I look at a price, the price of that, of that Coke and go, I ain't spending that. And over the course of three years, I suspect I have saved probably let's just give it a conservative figure, probably a couple of thousand dollars. Now, what could you do with $2,000? A lot. There's a lot you could do with $2,000. You could buy yourself that boat you were saying you wanted. It might not be a big boat, but it's a boat, you know. But you know what? Things like this, eating out, oh, let's just go grab lunch. Let's just go do this. Let's get, listen, I know it's a pain in the neck to have to go cook and fix a sandwich you take with you all the time, but it's amazing how much money you would save when you do that. Okay, uh, number three, count the cost of anything you're going to do, whether it's like a renovation project, a new house, uh, an auto, uh, maybe it's even a new job. Count the cost. What's it going to cost you? You know, don't think, well, it's only the house payment. I only have to come up with this much money. Well, like, for instance, if you bought a house, have you put enough into it to not have to pay PIP on that? That's a huge, huge number when you add that. Did you find out how much the taxes were? Did you, did you understand that probably they're going to go up after you've had that house one year? I mean, have you, made a, have you left yourself some room there? Count the cost before you get into something. Uh, number six, no, that's not number six, whatever it is. Don't max out your income with commitments. When you do that, you are just nothing, doing nothing more than putting yourself in bondage to those things that you thought you had to have. Don't ever max yourself out. Leave some room for some non-committed money. It's called savings. Anybody ever heard that word? Savings. Saving. S-A-V-I-N-G. Saving. We're a, a consumer-driven society. And we seldom, or at least probably not do as much as we should toward just putting some money back. Uh, years ago, the Lord started dealing with me about getting out of debt. We only had, you know, two or three credit cards, and, and there wasn't a huge, huge amount on them, but, but it was there. And the Lord started talking to us about, about getting, getting out from under all that stuff. And so we diligently 
set to work to get those things paid off. And I'm getting ahead of myself, and I'm going to have to if I want to get anywhere here. Um, we set about to do those to, to do whatever it took. I mean, there was not an extra penny spent for a year that didn't absolutely have to be spent. Absolutely. And I mean absolutely spent. But at the end of that year, everything was paid off. It was the most liberating thing in the world. You ask people. You know, I've, I've seen testimonies on Dave Ramsey. You know, heard testimonies of people who have gone through his course and, and, and gotten out from debt. And they can all tell you the same thing. That when they got free from that debt, it was one of the most liberating moments of their life when they paid those things off. If God's talking to you, you need to listen. Because for us, we got all those things paid off, and a, and a little time went by. That's the year we found out Pastor had cancer. Well, we didn't find this out until September of that year. So by the end of the year, with all the things that went on, we had maxed out our, our insurance deductible for the whole year. We had paid the maximum out of pocket for the year. But because this extended into the new year, we had to turn around and start over again. So we maxed out the $3,000 out of pocket that year, and in January... That was just from September to, to, to the end of December. And in January, I had to start over. That cost us $6,000. But we had the money because we didn't owe anybody else that money except our house payment. When God's, and that's really where I was headed with all of this tonight, and so I may just have to jump up there a little bit, is we're living in a day and a time where, where God is going to talk to you about some things you need to do with your money and how you need to handle your finances. Not that there's anything wrong with what you're currently doing, but he knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. And so I'm going to skip ahead to that, if you don't mind. Uh, and over, over in uh, you know, Genesis, you know the story of Joseph. You know, when he came out of the prison and Pharaoh wanted to know what his dream meant, and he told him about the seven years of famine. They began to prepare for the seven years of famine. God was instrumental in getting a nation to start putting something aside because famine was coming. In the, in the 70s, do you remember the recession of the late 70s? Some of, these, some of you people weren't even born yet. But um, the recession of the late 70s, Dad Hagen, you know, the Lord just came just uh, one day, just spoke to his heart and said, you need to go into your office and you need to lay off, you know, however many people it was. I forget now how many people it was because there's a recession coming. So he went in. And he did that right then. He obeyed the Lord right then. Went in there, said, I'm sorry, we're going to have to lay some of these people off. And everybody was like, what, what? But when the recession hit just a year or so later, he went through the whole thing smelling like a rose. I mean, it didn't affect their ministry at all. Listen, God's been talking to some of you about doing some things financially. Am I right? Am I right? about getting out from under some things or to, or to modify some things or to consolidate some things or to not make certain purchases right now. God is preparing you. If you're listening and you're obeying, God is setting you up so that you won't be hurt down the road by something that may come your way. You need to listen. It's not a matter of, of the blessing won't be there. Listen, if we can forestall some of this stuff, you know, why put ourselves through a place where we're just going to have to buckle down and believe God? Listen, he wants you to listen to him now so that you can still listen to him then. If you're maxed out, can God still meet your need? Absolutely. But will you still be in a position to want to be generous when God wants you to bless someone else? Sometimes he's wanting you to do some things to modify your finances so that you can continue to be a blessing to somebody, not so that you have to pull back. I know it's been hard financially for a lot of folks, but listen, in the midst of financial turmoil, it's not the time to stop giving. It's not the time to stop being a blessing. It's the time for you to, to make sure that what you're investing in, whatever blessing that you're supposed to be, is the right thing. You know, you don't have to have God lead you when something's already in the Word, okay? Tithing's in the Word. Offerings are in the Word. Actually, building fund is in the Word. Did you know that? Uh, let me find that. I wrote that down. This is what happens when I, I do my notes on the computer and then write all over them. It's in Haggai. Chapter 1 again. 
Chapter 1, verse 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the words of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye who dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? It's not right that we should spend all our money on our house and let the house of God go. You know, for about three or four years in a row, back in the 90s, we had already bought this property. And for about three, I know it was three years in a row at least, every year we got a pay raise. You know, it wasn't a huge pay raise, but every year it got a pay raise. That pay raise went into the building fund every year. We never took, we never took that pay raise as far as increasing anything that we did. We increased our giving to the building fund. And God in turn blesses us with a great place to live. Now, I've spent a lot of money on that place to live to, to bring it up to date, you know, but pastor taught me into that house and God's blessed it. Hallelujah. And, uh, but you know what? God will bless you in the middle of anything. But building fun is not something that's an option. God wants us to make sure his house is well taken care of. And I appreciate so much those of you who are so faithful to give into the building fund. It, has, it, makes, it makes life easy. When I hear about other churches and churches that are going under, I just thank God for people who are just so generous and so willing to give and to make sure that it's, that it's, it's taken care of. Right now, just, just this little um, sideline, you know, we started out with a $1.6 million mortgage. And as of last week, we were down to 483000 Hallelujah. Now, what we currently do is, is uh, you know, we started out with a $14,000 a month mortgage payment. Last year, we refinanced it so that it's $4,000 less. And, and what we have determined to do is to keep making a $14,000 payment. So that, and that, that $4,000 generally has to come out of the general fund. So if you want to increase your building fund, now's a good time. But... Uh, we, we make sure that $14,000 a month payment still gets made. Now we get lots more to go to principal. And the way we're on track right now is we'll have this thing completely paid off, you know, in another two and a half years. You know, but it will it'll be a lot faster with a lot more help. You know, I know what Pastor and I give to. I have a goal every year of what we, we're going to put in the building fund. And, I'm, and I track it at the end of getting close to the end of the year. I go in there in that computer and I look. Of course, I have it at home already in the logbooks. So I already know. But I go in there and look. Am I going to make my goal? And if, I'm not, and if it doesn't look like it, I'm going to find a way to find the money to make that goal. You know, I know what God has put in my heart to give to the building fund. And so I'm going to do it. So anyway, that's not an option. Neither is, neither is given to missions. If you really want to be blessed, Philippians 4.19 is specifically for people who give to missions. It, people use it all the time as a, just a, as a general prosperity scripture. But to be real honest with you, that verse is really meant to people who give into missions. And so that's not an option as well. Um, Pastor has been doing an excellent series. Have y'all enjoyed the series he's on right now about hearing God's, knowing God's will and hearing God's voice? I tell you what, it's something, it's, it's like math in school. You know, kids who don't like math will go, why do I have to learn this? I'm not going to ever use this again. Oh, yeah, you will. Math and reading are two of the, the foundational things that you ever learn in your whole life because you will always use it. No matter what part of life you're in, no matter what the course you take in life, no matter what the profession you wind up in, you will always use math and reading. Well, knowing God's will and hearing God's voice is math and reading, spiritually speaking. And it affects every area of our lives, and especially in finances. You have to know what the Word already says. You have to know what His will is for you individually. You only get that through prayer. And then you have to follow it. You have to do it. You have to put it into practice. You don't have to be led by certain things. If it's in the Word, in the word like I said, you don't have to be led to do something. You shouldn't have to be led to tithe. You shouldn't have to be led to give to the building fund. You shouldn't have to be led to give to missions, because it's already in the Bible. But apart from that, you need to make sure that your, your giving, when you are giving, is to the right person, for the right reason, at the right time, in the right amount. Don't go to some meeting somewhere, and somebody's got the crowd all hopped up on prosperity and giving, and give what God did not tell you to give. 
A young man that we, uh, that P Pastor Greg went to school with at, at Ramah called him, was all discouraged and all upset. He was actually had started a church up in, I think it was Michigan or somewhere, was just all upset. He just needed somebody to talk to. He had gone to this particular convention, and there was this big push for money, big push. And so he just got carried away, and he gave away every penny he had. He went to his car and gave away every, every suit that he had. He gave away all the shoes that he had with him, all this, all this nice dress clothes that he had with him, and then went back home and going, what's the matter? God's not working. Well, God didn't tell you to do that, dummy. That was called coercion, manipulation. You know, listen, folks, there's, there's a lot of good preachers out there, but you shouldn't necessarily be listening to all of them because there's a lot of stuff that is not godly where, where finances are concerned and the prosperity message is good. There are people who are way over in the ditch you know, and you need to be led when to give it and how much to give it. Just because the crowd you might be with is just, it's just, it's just throwing money, you know, down there doesn't mean you need to be doing that because it may not be God. So you need to learn how to follow God's will in those areas and, and know who to give it to. Don't sow things into bad ground. Don't sow your money into dead ground. Don't sow your money into something that's, that's, that's going to be wasted. You know, if, if God's given somebody an opportunity to change their ways and he says to give it and then you see how they wasted it, just know that if you know that God told you to do it, that's all you gotta, that's all you got to deal with. Just like we gave that guy that money for the, to fix his car. He, he didn't fix it. He just went out and bought another rattle trap. Just know that you did what God told you to do and expect to be blessed because of it. Um, God can prosper us in any, any economy. Never forget that. I'm not going to do half of this because I have skipped all around all, all over the place here. So what do you do? Let's, what do you do if you've got yourself in a financial pickle? Number one, repent. Just repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Call on the mercy of God. You know, James 1 says, count all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Not when you were led into anything, but when you fall into it. How many of us have, have done something financially that was really later you went, I cannot believe I did that. I cannot believe I fell for that. I cannot believe I overcommitted myself to that. Well, repent. And then go to the Lord and, I, and, he'll, and he'll help you figure out how to get out of it. Learn from your mistakes because you're doomed to repeat them. Seek some good, sound advice from somebody who's got a good, like Pastor said Sunday, who's got a good track record. In this instance, in a good track record in finances. Get some good wisdom from them. Keep your priorities straight. Don't stop your giving. Adjust other areas first. Look to see what you can adjust before you, before you stop your giving. Now, I, I've seen people who have decided that, you know, um, Maybe their income dropped, but they were determined. I'm thinking of two or three people. They were determined that they were not going to cut back on their giving. Just because their income went down, they maintained. And I didn't know this until like way after the fact. And they, there was a testimony this, that they personally told me. But after, they, they decided they would not cut back on their giving, period. Just because my income dropped, I, I st I'm still trusting God. I'm going to keep tithing as though I still have that income because I expect God to make it up to me. And so they did that. And now I've seen other people that, that maintained that for a while. And then they said, okay, I'm, I may have to cut back in the tithing area because I'm really not making that much money. But I refuse to, give, to get cut back on missions or building funds. And then last but not least, if, they, if it went on a long time, they would cut back some, but not cut it out. Don't cut out your sources of blessing. Don't cut out the avenues that God's providing, you know, for you to be able to sow into so they can come back to you. You know, maybe you have to cut back, but don't cut them out. Too many times, you know, people just want to go, okay, cut my income. Okay, I'm just going to, I'm just, okay, can't do this anymore, can't do this anymore, can't do this anymore. Well, have you cut out your lattes? Seriously. I'm not a coffee drinker. I mean, the only thing I like about coffee is the smell. So that doesn't appeal to me. But there's other things. Like, I hate to cook these days. So I, maybe I have to start, you know, spending more time in the kitchen at home. Makes pastor happy, but, you know, whatever. 
cut your spending. Necessities, necessities, necessities. And don't count certain, well, this latte is not a necessity, folks. Don't kid yourself. When I mean necessities, I mean necessities. Find a way to cut expenses. Uh, and stop spending. Don't, don't make any more new, new commitments. It's amazing how many people want to, want to, to you know, get, get out there and that I, I really like to cut my, my, my credit card payments. Or they go out and get a consolidation loan because they've got four credit cards and they need to put them all together in one so they can make this one payment. And then they go out and keep spending. You can't do that. You know, so if you're in a pickle, find ways, creative ways, to stop the bleeding financially. Uh, don't avoid creditors. Just be right up front with them. Just be right up front. Be honest with them. And tell them what state you're in and where you're at. And, and believe God for favor. I've heard tremendous stories of favor with creditors, people who in this church who have gone to, to a bank and they told them their situation and they just... I mean, blessed them hugely with either cutting the interest rate or cutting, you know, what, what they had uh, were backed up on, you know, the amount of it. I'm just going, that is amazing. Even one story of the IRS being willing to take a fraction of what they really were owed at the IRS. I'm going, well, that, you know, that's God. <laughs> I mean, come on. But mostly, get a Holy Ghost plan and follow it. You know, if you're in a financial pickle, Get a Holy Ghost plan and stick to it. God wants you blessed. He wants you to be an avenue of blessing. He wants you to come out of any tight situation blessed. I mean, again, I don't understand God's accounting system. I don't need to. I just know it works. So, um, just leave you with this. Job 5.22 says, At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh. Sometimes you need to laugh. When it looks like famine is in the, in the house, you need to laugh. You know, it's just a good testimony that you're not going to let the enemy win. You're not going to let him overcome you. You're not going to let him discourage you, get you depressed. There's a plan. There's a way out. God's got it. I can laugh about this whole thing. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.